0: Welcome to Brad Kyle's Brad's Motor Works Podcast, where we'll be talking about some things about BMW, some things of cars in general, and some things about car repair. I hope you find it educational, enlightening, and I hope it increases your understanding of your car. And maybe along the way we'll have some fun too. Thank you for listening, and here we go. Episode number 148, The Car Repair Business. You never know what you're going to find. Ooh, a mystery. (laughs) Um, This one's going to be just kind of my own personal experiences, some different uh, things that seemed like they were a little bit kind of wacko or unusual or, uh, you know, things that happened because a customer tried to check something that seemed uh, like an innocent minimal thing and ended up causing uh, major damage. Just a number of different things, you know, not too many. But just a number of different things over my career that have been like, wow, look at that type of stuff. So I uh, wanted to give credit to Matt. Uh, thank you, Matt, for the idea on this one. And I uh, appreciate it. He's one of my customers. And um, again, as usual, a quick couple of commercials. If you ever want to get a hold of me via email, it's bkpodcast5 at gmail.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. And also, uh, I do, uh, if if you feel so inclined, you can certainly subscribe to the uh, podcast. Uh, I'm asking for $5 a month to help out with costs and uh, future training and so on and so forth. And what that gets you also is I've taken about 12 to 15 of the podcasts I've done in the past, and I've basically made them only available through the subscription. I picked these ones because if you apply the information that I provide to you on these number of podcasts in your automotive ownership life there's no doubt you can save thousands if not maybe even tens of thousands of dollars uh, over your lifetime and the lifetime of whatever cars you have so uh, like I say I've I've monetized those uh, I'm asking for five dollars a month you can give less you can give more and you, it does it can be ongoing or if you just want to donate for you know a month or two and get those downloads and, and then go from there with it I appreciate it uh the way you can access that is to go to podbean.com, uh do a search for Brad Kyle's Motorworks podcast. When you get to that main page there, uh upper right-hand corner, it says become a patron. Click on that and then you can set yourself up from that point. So I appreciate any help I can get from that standpoint. So anyway, um you know again, I'm just going to talk about kind of some of the weird things that I've one-off type things that I've seen over the years. Um First one that comes to mind is I was working at the dealership and and service advisor comes out and says, Hey, Brad, can you come over and talk with this customer and listen to their car? And this was in the 1980s, probably late 80s. So from a cell phone standpoint, this is when they used to still mount, if you recall, if you've been around for a while. And when cell phones first came out, if you wanted one in your car, um, there was not only a transceiver in the back that had to be wired in, but there was also kind of like a mounting stock uh, that actually held the phone that stayed in the car. And typically, they would mount it to where they'd screw it into the side of the the right-hand side of the transmission tunnel. Uh, so that's kind of that hump in the middle of the middle of the car in the passenger area where you pu- uh, to the left and right of where you put your feet. Okay. So they'd mount it to the right hand side of that, and there'd, there'd be this kind of flexible stock that would come up and you' pop your you know the handset of the phone in that uh, in that uh, mount okay so it was common for you know installers to screw that into the side of the transmission tunnel, so I go out and talk with the customer and he's going yeah and and um he goes uh, listen to my car when you start it, so I hop into it and I start it up i mean it was like it was like the exhaust uh, there was this, you know, horrible vibration noise, like a uh, kind of a thing inside the car. I mean, it was like, it was like the engine was in the car. Okay. And I was like, what? And the guy, he didn't really say anything to me. He didn't, I, I may have asked him, when did this start? I, I really don't remember offhand. So I pull it around and uh, put it up in the air and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, well, what, uh, it, it sounds like the trans- like the uh, exhaust system is somehow tied directly to the body of the car. Okay, it was that noisy inside, and I don't mean it was an exhaust noise. It was literally more of a like an engine vibration kind of a noise. So I put it up in the air. The guy's waiting. He's outside of the shop, um, and again, I was at the dealership at this time. And I put it up in the air, and I look, and there is a screw that has been uh, drilled through the body of the car in the transmission area, and it's gone directly into the catalytic converter. So basically at that point, uh, whereas the exhaust is normally supposed to be isolated from the body, there's normally rubber mounts and things like that that isolate the exhaust system from the body, this was mechanically tying the exhaust system directly to the body. Hence the reason why it sounded like a, you know, vibrating uh, whatever noise inside the car i mean it was horrible okay and and realized this car was relatively new so it was under factory warranty but obviously you know whoever put basically whoever put in that uh telephone mount used a screw that was like 4 or 5 inches long and they just rain you know probably with a you know a uh impact screwdriver or whatever, some sort of you know, electric. I doubt it was by hand. And it ended up going directly into the catalytic converter and going into the catalytic converter, which of course basically potentially ruined it. Okay? And again, this car's under warranty, but that's certainly not a defect in material or, or uh workmanship from the factory. Okay. So the guy is standing outside of the shop and I kind of, you know, hey, um, you know, you want to come over? I I I I'm thinking I, I got to show this to you, okay? And he walks over and I said, "Um, whoever installed, and I never got the truth on this one by the way. Whoever installed your phone put a screw all the way through the body into the into the uh basically the body of the catalytic converter." And I go, um, that's where your noise is coming from because now they've tied the exhaust system to the body of the car. So now the body of the car is basically a big echo chamber, okay? And I said, uh, I mean, I can cut out, you know, I can take some little small uh, bolt cutters or whatever and cut out, you know, two or three inches of that screw so the noise is gone. But I go, your catalytic converter, uh, who's to say how long it's going to last, okay? Okay. I said, its I'm not saying it's ruined, but obviously it's not supposed to have a screw through the side of it. And I said, that's not anything covered under warranty. And he just kind of, he never really said too much. He just said, well, can you fix it so there's no noise? I said, yeah, I can cut a length of the screw out. But never any, uh, I didn't ask him, you know, like, did you do this? or something i I have a feeling that's what happened is the guy it's like where do you just normally have four inch screws laying around i don't know but that was that was a weird one okay where i mean if that was a professional installer that did that oh my okay uh i have a feeling i mean that's probably one of the worst things that i've seen from the standpoint of who put this thing in okay so that's one that came to mind was that one um Another one was where, and this is after I had my own shop for a while, uh, one of my customers brought their car in for service or whatever, and one of his complaints was is that um, he goes, yeah, when I release the parking brake, you know, the handbrake that's uh, in the center of the console there, it won't go all the way down. And he goes, "The, the parking brake light stays on. And I said, well does it are you saying the parking brake is still applied and he goes no but it won't go all the way down like it used to so the lights still on okay all right well that that's interesting and so I get the car in and sure enough you know he's right it won't go all the way down so I pull there's a you know a boot that covers that area I pull the boot back that whole area was full of loose change coins money Okay, I mean, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds, maybe even over a thousand coins. And I'm going like, what? And I look at his center console area or, you know, the area that's behind. There's like a little kind of little cubbyhole, you know, a little holder thing that's part of the center console. Come to realize that that there's and there's a bunch of change in that area. Come to realize there was a crack in an opening in this like tray area and he didn't know it. So every time he put money in there, coins, some of it would drop into the area of the parking brake. And it built up so much that it took up space and the parking brake handle wouldn't release all the way. Okay. So I pulled the boot all the way off. I ended up there was so much change in there. I started trying to get it out by hand. And of course money is not person could say, well use a magnet. Well Uh, copper pennies copper is not magnetic a number of coins are actually not magnetic so I ended up getting out my little I've got a little tiny like a shop vac kind of a thing and you know emptied it out so it was you know all dry and everything and clean and just vacuuming out I mean I ended up taking a gallon Ziploc bag and I almost filled it with coins (laughs) so you never know what you're going to find, you know, that was, that was one of the weird ones. It was like, wow, look at that. And, uh, so it, it's quite possible that with what I, you know, uh, he may have broken even on that one that between what I charged him for my time to suck all that money out, I may have handed him right back again, uh, in, in the Ziploc bag. So we kind of all laughed about that. And, and, uh, but, you know, once again, it was one of those, you just don't know what you're going to find. Another one I had, which, you know, this is more common as far as, you know, unfortunately, as a lot of people know, that, that rats and rodents, squirrels, mice, whatever, will, you know, go after wiring harnesses and, and insulation in the engine compartment on a lot of European cars. I actually did a podcast previously about that. as why that happens. But this one, car came in. I was at the dealership. Customer happened to be waiting, which I didn't know that. Uh, It was in for like a quick, I don't know, oil filter change or something. And I popped a hood on it, and I realized that I could see there was some rodent damage, you know, to the harness or whatever. And it was like, oh, okay, well, wow, all right, whatever. So I'm working on the car. I've kind of, you know, and there was a point where I was going to put my hand down kind of low through this area uh, in the engine compartment. And all of a sudden I see movement that you know uh the engine's not running <laughs> okay and i'm going what what was that the rat is in the engine compartment alive okay he's just hanging out in the engine compartment down low uh, i'm sure he was probably frightened or whatever but that's the like the first and only time i've actually seen a live animal in the engine compartment and i'm going like oh my And I thought, well, I'm not putting my hand down there. Well, then it was, well, you know, uh, I need to tell somebody. Uh, I mean, obviously the rat could jump out whenever he wants to. um, But I thought, well, I need to at least tell the customer, hey, look, not only is there some wiring damage or, you know, insulation damage in your wiring harness in the engine compartment, but the rat is still in there, okay? Okay. Now, typically, there's almost really no way they can get inside the car. I mean, unless you're talking about an open door or something, okay? Uh, typically, I mean, BMWs are sealed really, really well. Um, there's really no way for the uh, an, an animal like that to get inside the car. Um, but certainly, they can, you know, be anywhere they want to be on the outside of it. So, I go up, and I, I get done with the car, and I go up, and I say something to the service advisor, and he goes... Well, there's the customer over there. And I'm thinking, oh, great. So you want me to go over and talk to him and do your job for you? So I walk over and I go, well, you know, I told him what I found. And I said, um, I got to tell you, um, you know, and I, I don't know. I, I can't tell you what. There's nothing we can do about it. But there's a live rat in your engine compartment. I mean, he's in there right now. And he's like, Really? And he was almost kind of sort of excited about it, and I thought, well, that's kind of weird. Come to find out that he's he's a civilian, but he's a contract worker for the local uh navy air base that's that's kind of you know i don't know maybe five six seven eight miles away from the dealership I was working at at the time, and one of his jobs is where he deals with uh you know uh airplane wiring harnesses and and so he he looks at me and he smiles and he goes, "I know how to take care of it. We'd have to do this all the time." And I thought, "Wow. Uh, of all the people that, you know, this might happen to, and it happens to a guy that that's that he knows what to do as far as uh, you know, this is what he does as far as airplane maintenance." And so, you know, we kind of he laughed, I sort of laughed and he thought it was going to be fun to uh, to try to, you know, get this rat out of his car. And I just thought, well, you just you never know what you're gonna find, you know, in a lot of different ways. Uh, another kind of a subject that I ca- can't thought of is is customers and even sometimes fellow employees at the time are not always necessarily honest about their cars, okay? And what I mean by that is is that like I can remember there was one car that came in that the service engine soon light was on, and I was, you know, checking the car out for uh, codes and stuff. And I I don't know why. Sometimes, you know, I will just get this uh, unction. I'll get a feeling. I'll actually hear kind of a voice in my head about, you know, you should check this, Brad, or you should do this, or you should do that. And it's like, oh, okay, all right. And so I I pull off the oil filler cap and I smell you know the, the oil filler cap the inside of it and it smelled like burned oil, okay, and I went ah well I mean the only way that can really happen is if the engine's overheated. Now they didn't say anything about overheating the engine. Uh, the car ran okay, but it had a service engine soon light on, and ultimately I go into the engine management system and I pull fault codes. And I was looking at what's called freeze frame or what's called a snapshot. So this is information that the computer uh remembers based on its programming of when a certain fault code is generated, it takes a freeze frame of different bits of information that it's supposed to, of you know, when and why and how and uh that that uh fault code was generated. Okay, in this case one of the things it looked at was engine temperature at the time. Okay it was way, you know, it had been way too high. So I don't recall exactly what ended up happening with the car from a repair standpoint. But the reason I brought it up is, is that I'm thinking like, well, they didn't say about it overheating. And, and obviously it's possible that more than one person drives the car and somebody else overheated it and didn't say anything. I mean, that's always a possibility, but I thought, well, I need to talk to them about it. So like I say, I don't recall what I ended up doing to the car, but it was just interesting that when I did call, talk to him, I said, by the way, um, you know, how long has this service engine sunlight been on? And they told me, and I go, has anybody overheated the engine on this? And they go, oh, no, no. And I went, well, um, be that as it may, I said, number one, the oil smells burned, which the only way that can happen is overheating the engine. And I said, secondly, the fault code that was generated when I was looking at the information that was freeze frame, uh, this engine was taken up to whatever it was, I don't know, 250, 260 degrees, okay? Maybe it was more than that, I don't remember offhand. I said, so somebody has overheated this engine, okay? And like I say, at that point, I may have done further diagnosis, I don't recall offhand, but I just, I got the feeling as if they knew it had been overheated, but they didn't want to tell me which happens sometimes. I think I think people think that if they don't tell you a particular symptom or they leave out something, whatever, maybe they're embarrassed or whatever, that somehow it's going to cost them less. And that's not exactly entirely the case. Okay? Uh, I mean, it'd be like withholding information from your doctor uh, because you really don't want to talk about it uh, or you're afraid that they're, you know, they're going to find something you don't want to know about. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's potentially people that do that in the medical situation, and and certainly they do it with their car. Maybe it's more common with their car. I don't know, but you're you're basically by withholding information from the technician or from the shop, you're not necessarily doing yourself a favor. So it was just kind of interesting. Uh, Another one that that someone not being honest, so to speak, or let's just say not willing to take responsibility, was this was a fellow employee when I was working at the dealership. And uh, I won't name names in case by chance anybody's ever, you know, knows what I'm talking about. But years and years and years ago, there was a recall on some of the cars where we had to replace a particular coolant thermostat. And part of the repair was to loosen and, and move up the fuel injector rail. Okay. So this is a metal pipe, let's just call it, that the fuel injectors mount off of. And there's O-ring seals at the top and the bottom of the injectors. Okay. So you had to unloosen it and move that a little bit so that you could uh, replace this coolant thermostat. So the situation was the, another technician had worked on this car, had done the recall, and he was real big on being fast. To him, that was just the, that was the challenge. It wasn't really fixing the car right. It was how how fast can I do this, which obviously at some point can bite you in the butt because speed isn't everything, okay, Uh, as in compared to quality of work. So the way this all manifested was that he had done the job. He had road tested the car. It was fine. He had parked it. Our lot porter had got the car took it to the wash rack, as we call it, the washing area, washed it. So he's driving it all of like 60 or 70 feet back from the wash rack back to park it so that the customer can pick it up later. So he pulls up, and as he's shutting it off, all of a sudden we kind of, in the shop area we were in, we kind of hear this like a pull kind of a sound. Smoke starts pouring out from underneath the hood. The paint on the hood starts bubbling. There's a fire in the engine compartment, okay? Service manager comes running out, you know, Wah! he's all screaming, got the fire extinguishers, get the fire extinguishers. And so we run out there and pop the hood and, sh- and you know, get the fire out, okay? And then it's, well, who worked on this car? And what's his name? Technician A worked on it. Well, I worked on it. And my at the meantime, myself and the shop foreman are looking and they go well we go well what'd you do and he said i did the thermostat recall well of course we all know those of us you know that we're doing and we knew what the procedure was so we're looking around well you could see where when he had moved the fuel injector rail uh, one of the fuel injectors had come had popped part way out and so now the o-ring seal that seals the pressurized gas so it doesn't get outside one of the o-ring seals had like Uh, pooched out or or popped out okay bottom line is is it created a pressurized fuel leak that and again this is an older car it was spraying right onto the ignition distributor which of course is a source of spark inside of it or a source of ignition so even though the technician had taken it on a road test it was okay and the lot porter had moved it 50 or 60 feet when he went to move it back is when this fire started okay in some respects, yeah, it's a good thing that it happened right there, because if it had happened on the road test, not good, okay? No fire extinguishers. But the reason I bring it up is is that, you know, the shop foreman and I both, we look at each other, we see this, this, this O-ring that's obviously pooched out, and we've deduced very quickly, oh, okay, this thing had a pressurized fuel leak, it sprayed onto the ignition distributor, there's your fire, Okay. So meanwhile, the service manager is there talking with the technician, and he's denying any anything. Well, I didn't make that happen, okay, is what he's saying. And so, literally, almost together, myself and the shop foreman, we go. uh, Technician A, I won't mention his name. um, You said you did a, you know, thermostat recall. Yeah, I go. Look at that O-ring. Okay, this thing had a fuel leak. You didn't get it reseated properly when you put it back together. Well, I didn't do that. What do you mean you didn't do it? Didn't you have to, like the rest of us, didn't you have to move the fuel injector rail? Well, yeah, but that, that I didn't make that happen. He basically just denied the whole thing. Okay. wasn't his fault. Okay. And at that point, I just, I look at the shop foreman and we just go, well, whatever. We got work to do. You know, this is for management to deal with now. You know, service manager, you need to deal with this guy and this customer. And so... You know, we had to do repair whatever damage there was. If I don't remember. It was, it was somewhat minimal. The worst part was the hood of the car. It bulk, completely bubbled the paint, okay? So we obviously had to take care of whatever we could do, and then the car had to be sent out to the body shop to have the hood repainted, okay? And the car was just in for a recall. That's all just a warranty recall. And the technician just, you know, he wouldn't take responsibility for it. So it was, became, well, we're done, as far as, you know, uh, the shop foreman and myself, we just walked away and went, wow, whatever. You hired the guy, okay, you know. But meanwhile, it reflects on the rest of us. So, The last one I'm going to talk about <laughs> is one that this happened to the same couple on the same car uh, months apart, okay. I dealt with it on the second go around. But the first go-around, they lived in Santa Barbara, and, which is even like about 70 or 80 miles north of where the dealership I was working at. This is in the, let's say, the greater LA area. It's actually north of San Fernando Valley, and Santa Barbara's even further north than that. So they lived in Santa Barbara, and she was on her way to LAX to pick up friends, okay? Los Angeles Airport, okay? Well, the first time it happened, which I didn't, I didn't see the car or anything, the the husband trying to be the good guy, uh beforehand, he had went to check the oil, okay, and apparently it was a little bit low, and so he went to add a quart of oil. The only trouble is is he didn't put the oil filler cap back on. Okay. So on this particular engine, when you do that, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt the engine per se, but because there's oil splashing around in that engine, the top of the engine got all caked with, you know, oil. Uh, the engine wasn't idling well. At, 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 at idle, it wasn't running very well because now it had basically a vacuum leak, okay, through the crankcase system. And it was getting oil. It was kind of spraying oil on the inside of the engine compartment. So eventually it got on the exhaust, exhaust manifold and the thing started smoking, okay, so the woman had to pull over. OK, well, the fix, of course, was to put the oil filler cap back on. It was sitting there off to one side and obviously clean the engine area and top up the oil and, you know, send her on her way. But, you know, the guy, the husband got all in trouble for that. Well, when I saw the car and I'll I'll paraphrase, it got towed in as uh, the car was driving along. It started overheating. The woman was like between off-ramps or something quite a quite a distance between uh freeway off-ramps she kept on driving the car and when she got off the off-ramp and came to an idle the engine quit and it wouldn't restart so the car got towed in so i get the car uh you know it's it's written up for like you know uh engine overheated uh car engine cranks over won't start you know checking advice so, like I was mentioning earlier about the oil, that when it's overheated, that it smells. So, I get the car. It cranks over. I could tell there's no compression. Okay? If you know what to listen for and what it means, you know, a good technician will know, this thing's got no compression. I don't even have to do a compression test. I know it has no compression. Okay? Um, and I went, uh-oh. And, of course, it won't start. So, I... Pop open the hood, and the first thing I see is that's right, you guessed it the radiator cap is off of the expansion tank where it's supposed to be screwed on. Okay, this time instead of checking the oil and leaving the cap off, he checked the coolant and left the cap off. Okay, she drove all the way from Santa Barbara and got as far as Camarillo, which is about 70 or 80 miles. The thing started of course dumping coolant. Uh, the cooling system's supposed to be pressurized, which of course with no cap on it, it wasn't. So the engine overheated severely to where it quit. Okay. She overheated the engine so bad it ruined the engine. Okay, no compression. It will never start again. Okay. And I'm going like, wow, this is gonna be fun so i you know and again i smelled the oil filler cap yep it's cooked you know you can just once you ever smell that smell of actually cooked engine oil uh, you know that smell you recognize it and this again this was pre any kind of computerization so that wasn't any part of the deal okay and so i close the hood and i walk in and i start writing an estimate to replace the engine yeah And I thought, wow, this is going to be fun. And again, this is when I was still working at the dealership. So I knew I wasn't going to be the one talking to the customer. But I thought, you know, I have to supply all the information to the service advisor. And I thought, wow, this is going to be crazy. So I write it all up. um, And meanwhile, she's supposed to be on her way still to LAX, okay, to pick up. Now she's running late to pick up her friends. And this is the second time this something like this has happened. Okay, so I give the repair order to the service advisor and go, well, here's what's wrong. And he's going, wow. And that's when I think he told me, he goes, this is the second time this kind of a thing has happened. And I said, you mean he's done this before? And he goes, well, he left the oil filler cap off the first time. Wow. Well, this was the days before cell phones. And so we had a pay phone in our, you know, customer lounge area. Okay, the waiting area. A few minutes go by, and I'm in like in the parts department, which was you know a couple of hallways away, but there was a clear because of the the windows and stuff that were open and the you know access areas you could see into and hear into the customer lounge. She's on the payphone, just ripping her husband apart. you stupid idiot, buv, I mean just as loud as loud could be. Didn't care you know if anybody else was around, and I thought man i you know the poor guy is trying to help out you know and but it's obvious that either he's forgetful or he doesn't know what he's doing um either way, you know the first time just made a mess with the oil, the second time wiped out the engine uh at the time, and this like I say, this was a long time ago uh it was like five or six thousand dollars for a motor, so and the car was relatively new, but it do, it doesn't matter. I mean, what what happened and 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 what he did, and she just was just screaming at him. I really I felt sorry for the guy. I mean, I never met him, but I, I felt sorry for him. Um, you know, for a number of <laughs> reasons. So, you know, just goofy things happen. You just don't know what you're going to see and and how things pan out uh sometimes people are not uh outwardly honest about what's going on with their car and and certainly that can affect the diagnostic process sometimes you see things it's like wow never seen that before so anyway that's just kind of some of the highlights that I could think of you know and and Matt thanks again for the idea uh I hope if you're listening to this you got a kind of a kick out of it uh you just you know you know, ne- you never know so Um, that's one of the things that sometimes keeps it kind of interesting. You got to keep an open mind and, and because definitely new things do happen. So anyway, I just thought I'd share that with you guys. I I hope you got kind of some fun out of it, but also maybe learned a couple of things, the things, you know, not to do if you, if you have a choice and there's other things that, uh, you know, just happen and it, you know, things are kind of weird. What happens, whatever this or that. And uh, you know, it can certainly affect the operation of the car. So anyway, that's it for this one. Appreciate your time, appreciate your listening again. Uh email, it's bkpodcast five at e- uh gmail dot com. I'm also on LinkedIn under uh Brad Kyle's Motorworks. And uh, you know, check that out. And uh like I say, uh, check out the podbean dot com website. And my webpage. And we'd and, uh, love it if you became a patron and got some more information that will help you save some money on your car. So I appreciate your time. Appreciate you listening. Uh, thank you again. And uh, have a great tomorrow. Thank you for listening to this episode. It's been an honor and a privilege to spend time with you. I hope you found this of value. Please share it with family and friends. Above all else, with all you're getting, get understanding. May God bless you and keep you, and thank you again.